0: I wore my flight suit just because it was funny, and I put my Fifi Nilla.
1: Oh, I love that. You
0: didn't wear your flight suit. No, it's so cold here. I have all my overalls. Hey, guys, it is Cockpits and Cocktails. It is your host, Fly Alyssa and Fly Girl Kelly. We have got a really special guest here today. She is one of 1% of the female pilots in ag aviation. We have Emily Daniel here today. Hey, Emily. Hey, guys. How are you doing? Good. We have all our cocktails in hand, I can see. So I'm so excited to get this party started. Thank you, Emily, for coming on. Oh,
2: thank thank you guys so much for having me. I I love your podcast, and I'm excited to be a member.
0: This is awesome. Oh, thank you. If you guys know uh emily is ag pilot chick um i, I across pretty much all of the social media streams i think right yeah Yep. everything so. except facebook yeah okay
1: all cool. right it's emily daniel and emily actually has a
2: matching fly girl shirt but she's not wearing it tonight <laughs> no it's so
0: cold here otherwise i'd be wearing it it's perfect i wear it under my flight suit every time i fly <laughs> I even put on my flight suit for emily um i was making sure i was safe today but she didn't wear hers. so you, there's a great my, picture my of you i love suit.
1: the picture you did with the fly girl shirt and you are, are opening your your coveralls that's really cool i love that
2: picture oh my gosh i felt like superwoman for a second i was like <laughs> So you now, every time you know i need to feel good i wear that shirt and i'm like yeah i feel good today <laughs> yeah so, so where so, are
1: you right now actually um so
2: right now i'm um, in our hangar at work um we work in the winter doing maintenance so we just got done a day of maintenance and I figured I'd hang out for a little bit and have a couple cocktails while we chatted. Yeah.
0: Before we get into your actual career in uh, ag, what got you started in aviation? Was it family? Did you just grow up with it? Like, what's your story?
2: So I'm actually a third generation pilot. Uh, my grandfather was a flight instructor in World War II. Wow. And after the war, he got out and he started a small airport in New Jersey called Cross Keys Airport. And he started a flight school and a crop dusting company um, that he ran for a number of years. He taught all of his kids how to fly. And one of those kids was my dad. And he kind of continued the tradition with us. And I was the only girl. And, of course, I said, of course, I'm going to fly, Dad. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I got started at a really young age. My my first lesson, I remember, or my official lesson, I was 13 And my instructor took me up in a 150 AeroBat because I thought I wanted to be an airshow pilot when I grew up. (laughs) And um, that was my very first lesson. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. I think
1: I want to be an airshow pilot when I grow up, too.
2: (laughs) I I never realized that pilots don't grow up. So I guess I was wrong.
1: (laughs) right.
2: (laughs) We're all in the same space here.
1: (laughs) So what is um, when people... Here, ag pilot. What does that mean exactly?
2: So, ag pilots or crop dusters or aerial applicators. We are like those big yellow planes that fly, you know, five to ten feet off the ground, and we spray crops and forests and we spray for mosquitoes and things like that. Um, that's that's what we do. We're like the crop dusters, but we go by ag pilots or aerial applicators just to kind of update the term.
1: And now, do you get hired by companies
2: to to do this, or how does all that work? So you you can do it a couple of, yeah, you can do it a couple of different ways. Um, I work for a company, and actually my husband and I are in the process of buying the company. It's owned by his dad. Um, So we will get hired by individual farmers, and they will call us and say, hey, we need this field sprayed. You know, they always want it right now, but, you know, in the next few days or something like that. And we will contract through farmers or different chemical companies. And, you know, a chemical company might say, we have the thousand acres we're behind on. Can you guys come spray this? Mm -hmm. And we'll work that way. Okay. Um, Individual pilots. So we also go to the Midwest every year, which a few of us try to get out there. Because that's where, you know, the real, like, fun flying is. Yeah. (laughs) That's me. Yeah, so... A lot of pilots will work for someone out there, and you kind of just show up to an airport, and there's trucks, and you just kind of get handed a map, and you get loaded, and you just find where the map is, and you go fly it and spray it and come back and do it again all day long. Wow. So, if,
1: if like, farmers, I mean, not every farmer uses a crop-dusting plane, right?
2: Yeah, not every farmer does, where we are in New Jersey, our main crops are cranberries and blueberries because they're pretty difficult to get to on the ground
0: without okay. damaging
2: without damaging the fruit. Um, in the Midwest, you know, the biggest busy season is the corn run and the bean run. Generally, you get to a point in the summer where you can't use a ground sprayer to get over these mm-hmm. crops without damaging them.
0: Mm-hmm. And so
2: that's why at that point in the season, they'll call in aerial applicators. Yeah. I'm assuming it's kind of an expensive endeavor for, for farmers, correct? It is, and it isn't. Um, we've done the math with a lot of people. It It's definitely more expensive to operate these airplanes than a ground sprayer, but we get the work done so much faster that if you have to pay someone to drive on the ground for X amount of hours versus us, um, it kind of evens out over time.
0: Okay, cool
2: they
0: risk Uh, that damage go ahead Um, Alyssa. sorry it's okay and and they risk that damage at a certain point probably too with the crop and it's just much easier to spray aerial right yeah it's um when
2: you know the biggest example i'll use is corn but you know there's so many other crops but corn when you reach tassel where it's got like the little brown things on Mm -hmm. top um, if you drive through the field the corn's too tall and you'll mow it all down
1: mm. yeah
2: so is it single pilot it is single pilot there are a few airplanes that have dual cockpits and there are actually um, a couple planes that we have that had a, a back seat that faces backwards for hmm. a loader to fly along with you okay. <laughs>
0: So how do you go from flying a Piper Archer to flying that? Because I've sat in one and I've looked at it and I was super intimidated. Like there has to be a simulator or something because being a single pilot, I was just like, I'm sure back in the day they just sent people. But like,
2: it's kind of like that now. But let me first ask you. How tall is it up there? And isn't it so scary trying to get up there?
0: Girl, Uh, (laughs) I didn't realize how big they were because they fly so fast and so low and so quick and then they make turns and then you just see like a yellow blob if you're flying next to them. Um, So you don't really realize how tall they are. Let me preface that I walked under the wing. I'm 5'4". I walked under the wing without ducking. (laughs) I was like, what? Mm So like getting up there is it's a whole new thing. And then um, there's actually a loading facility at my friend's house uh, here in Illinois. So I like kind of in there and I was like, wait a minute, like, how to, you know, there's just so many questions once you get in the cockpit. And I love your videos on TikTok and things that, you know, kind of show what everything is and, you know, the light. Bar in the front, how that kind of works. Because I always wondered like, how do you even know like what you sprayed and what you didn't spray? And yeah, there's just so much. So it's a beast. Like it's massive. Massive. Oh yeah.
2: So it's the biggest part for me is getting in the airplane. Um, I'm afraid of height, so that like (laughs) step from the wing to the door is like the scariest part of my day. Oh my Um, gosh. Wow. But to to answer your, your question. To start, um, so the way I got started is I flew a lot of tailwheel before I started flying ag. I flew a lot with my dad in the J3. And um, my father in law actually checked me out to start spraying. And he rode around the patch with me. They have um, a Waco RNF. And he said, okay, let's go do some landings. We did three landings. And he said, okay, I'm going to go put you in the Pawnee. And so I jumped out of that and I you know, got briefed on the systems and how to fly the Pawnee and speeds and things like that. I read some, some text and then I went and flew it. Um, and it's been like that so far for every airplane that I've flown. It's just, you know, you read the book and you jump in and you go and you make it happen. So yeah. don't do You that don't always fly the same plane. No, we we try to, um, and we're getting to that point this year. Everyone should have mostly their own plane. But if you have something that breaks and you need to step to a different plane, mm-hmm. um, it'll be slightly different. So we we run mostly Pawnees and weatherlies, and now we have Air Tractors. Um, so going from a different model of the same plane isn't too bad, but jumping up in size is a little bit different. So. This year, I'll be flying one of our air tractors, and it's a turbine, so I am going to a simulator in uh, at the end of February, and then I'll be flying a two-seat thrush with um, an instructor, and he will be getting me checked out with the systems before they just kind of send me off by myself. Yeah. Yeah. I thought they were all called air
1: tractors. See, I didn't know. I thought if it was a prop vester, it was just called an air tractor.
2: They They are. I mean, yeah. Air tractor's great. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's like uh, but, a brand, yeah.
2: Yeah, there's okay. the two big names. are air tractor and thrush. Um, air tractors are the yellow ones, which okay. are my my favorite. I wish they were pink, but they're yellow. <laughs> uh, and then thrushes are generally red and white. So if you see a red and white one, it's generally a thrush. Okay, okay. Yeah. They're very I large
1: think. and bulky, aren't they? They are
2: huge. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: I live in, like, the corn run central, and we actually have... I mean, several operations just, like, in a very small radius of us, and they just kind of deploy out. Um, but we also have helicopter team. Do you guys have, like, anybody doing that out there, or is it just you guys? Like, how? Um, so
2: there are three operations in New Jersey, and they are all aircraft. But right over in Pennsylvania, and a lot of the um, mosquito work that's done in New Jersey is done by helicopter. Um, I'm not sure why I think they're a little scarier myself, but, um, I don't know. I guess I've just never flown a helicopter. Yeah. So do you, how many airplanes
1: do you have in the company that you work for
2: or yeah? Flying or total? (laughs) Both. So flying this year, we will have one, two, three, four, five total. Okay. Um and then spares or something that's like in progress to be fixed. We have one, two, three, four. An additional four. So nine. Wow. And how many pilots but, are there? Um, this year we should have three full-time pilots with um, one one of our ground loaders who'll be training in the airplane this year. So it'll be his first season spraying a little bit, yeah. And then um, we have a couple part-time pilots in case we get backed up or someone gets hurt.
1: Okay, so is it like a nine-to-five
2: job? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um, so, like waiting for that. <laughs> I wish it was so much. I'm such a homebody, but it's um. We generally show up between 4:30 to 5 a.m. every morning and we don't leave until maybe nine thirty or 10 o'clock at night.
1: Oh my goodness.
2: That's yeah. not year
1: round. That's seasonal,
2: right? It's seasonal. Yeah. For us, yeah. our season picks up um, the last couple weeks of May and ends in uh, mid-September. Wow. Okay. So you're pretty busy during that time. We're pretty busy. You know, you have different cycles of everything. So you'll have like maybe five or six days where it's really busy, and then yeah. a couple days where it rains, and you can kind of catch up on sleep. Um, but job. those days you're there. You are. You're there.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, like with the turbine stuff, uh, I know my friend's operation at the loading facility. They don't shut it down. So, like, how long are you in the plane? Uh, you know, I've, I've thought this through a little bit. Uh, how do you, you know, eating, going to the bathroom, you got your, you know, eight hour day or whatever. I mean, do you, do you shut down with the Pawnee or like how, how does your day go? So it depends. Um,
2: I shut down if I really need to, like if I need to get out of the airplane for something, I'll shut down. Or if I need a break, um, generally you don't shut down more than maybe twice a day tops. Mm. Maybe three if you, you know, I don't know. We're really hungry in the afternoon. Um, But you are, you live in the airplane and you, you eat in the airplane and you, in my case, I go to the bathroom in the airplane and. You do? Oh my god! (laughs) Well, you can't, you can't get out and you have to make sure you drink enough liquids and. Yeah. They got to go somewhere. So I've learned. Do
1: you have any regulations like the airlines have when you can't fly more than a certain amount of hours or what?
2: So ag aviation currently doesn't have any fatigue or duty days. Um, And that's actually great because if we did, we wouldn't be able to get the work done that we do. But it's really important that we self-regulate. So at our company, um, I'm huge on safety. So if you are tired or if it's lunchtime, Get out of the plane, take 30 minutes, eat, take a nap if you need to. Um, I will take as many breaks as I need to. And I am not sorry about it to anybody. This um, <laughs> because because, you know, if we as a group don't self-regulate ourselves, then the FAA could put regulations on there that yeah. would actually really be damaging for our operations. All right. Um. Yeah. Well,
1: when you hear, like, I hear that, uh, like, agricultural flying is, like, super dangerous. What what
2: would you say makes it dangerous? The biggest thing is fatigue and obstacles. Um, so, you're tired, you know, you've been up all day, and your body goes through different cycles of fatigue during the day. And it's really important to recognize when you're going to be tired and know how to mitigate that. hmm but the other thing is obstacles. So, you know, we deal with power lines, both high tension lines and small power lines, trees, um, me- like meteorological towers, other mm-hmm. towers. You know, just any anything that's out there. There's so many things that are windmills. You know, everything that's attached yeah. to the ground.
0: We have a wind jam- farms here. Yeah, I I hate the wind farms personally. How did that um, a- that affect your aircraft like the wind farms like because those are moving like what how does that affect
2: they are so I haven't been around any that are like turned on super fast but I have heard that you can kind of get some turbulence or some things like that around them the ones I've flown around have actually been um, under construction and I thought Mm. those were pretty scary because they can have ropes that are attached to those Mm. turbines when they're putting them up and if you don't coordinate with that company, you know, an airplane could go through that rope and there's usually people on the ground attached to those. So that's not no, a good goodness. situation. Yeah. Yeah. But we're actually lower than the windmills spin. So, you wow. know, they're kind of like big goalposts out there. So yeah, you're going to yeah. see it.
0: So
2: how high <laughs> so, off the
1: ground are you typically when you're spraying?
2: So most sprays, they like you to be about half of the width of your wingspan. So, we're generally, wow. you know, between, I would say between 5 to 15, maybe 20 if you're, like, higher yeah. um, feet off the ground.
1: Yeah. So, wow. you're pretty low. Well. I had no idea that close. And I guess you're that way just to keep the, the spray from getting blown everywhere. Right. right.
2: So, if you're, yeah. yeah. So, if you're too low, it'll, it won't it will spread out enough. And if you're too high, it'll spread out too much and you could drift onto things other crops or people that you don't want to. So
0: the ideal height is about half that width of the wingspan.
1: Yeah.
0: So how do you, um, when you're, when you're spraying doing that and um, I've always heard about like, do airplanes, do they put these like cutters on the front? Like this seems really dumb, but did they put question? Yeah. I've heard that like they put these like, things that will cut like wires if you were to fly through them so that if you were that it would actually cut through it and you wouldn't be hanging from the wire.
2: Yes. So those are called wire cutters or um, another brand that makes them is called storm cutters and they could be in a couple different places. Some have them. It's like a, if you ever see my videos and there's a bar in the middle of my windshield, mm-hmm. that's actually a wire cutter on my windshield And then most of the newer airplanes and they make, you know, aftermarket installations, you could put them on the gear legs. So if you Mm. maybe pulled up and you missed your gear leg would hit it and it would cut it
1: Mm. Hmm. and they do
2: work. They work really well. Wow. So before you go flying, do you do a whole obstacle
1: kind of thing to make sure you know where everything's at? What is it like when you're getting ready to go to a whole new
2: place and spray, what do you do? So if, I'm at my company, um, and it's different when I go fly for someone else because, like I said, they'll just hand you a map and you don't have time. But um, at my company, if it's a new field, we do a lot of uh, spray in the mountains. And, you know, I call Mm -hmm. them mountains, but it's like the Pocono area. And um, I will put them on Google Earth, and I use our mapping software as well. And I can kind of do a street view, and I can see what's around there. And then I use, you know, the FAA charts and just, I also, you know, a top down view, you can kind of see some of those bigger power lines and I'll just kind of sit down and for our pilots, I do most of the mapping and I will mark down every obstacle I see on a map. That Mm -hmm. way, you know, at least they have an idea that something might be there. Yeah. When you get to the field, you can't rely on that map because it could be totally different. The imagery could be old or I could have been wrong. So... When you get to the field, you just circle the field and you circle for obstacles mm-hmm. and you do that at about 500 feet. And then you kind of get a little bit lower to mm-hmm. make sure that there's nothing super low or there's any workers in the field or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Hmm. The biggest thing is, um, you know, if you're anywhere near homes or farm buildings, there are always power lines and you cannot see them. You kind of yeah. you can trace the poles but sometimes the poles go into a tree line and you won't see it. So mm-hmm. it's just really important that you align, you know, the sun can be um, a factor in this as well. So if, you know, the sun is yep. in your eyes, you don't want to spray a field that way because you won't see those obstacles. Yeah. So you always want to spray the sun at your back or kind of parallel that way. Yeah. Wow. So
1: have you ever had anything like super close calls? Um, so I
2: think my first year I got a little, you know, I got a little confident. I was like, oh, this is cool. Like I'm really good at this. Yeah. And, um, you know, like the day I started to feel that way, I pulled out of um, a field and I was just a little bit too late. And, you know, it's a field I had done that year several times. And I was like, I know where the obstacles are. And I pulled out and, it was a steep pull. I was very light and I kind of felt like a thump. I was like, Oh no, what was that? So, um, I, you know, I flew by and he said, hi guys, can you check my landing gear? I heard a thump. I don't know what it was. Um, they said, your landing gear looks okay. No big deal. And so what I figured out was, um, that I just pulled out too steep and I kind of hit my own, wingtip vortices there oh yeah I kind of hit my own turbulence um but that was enough to kind of say okay I need need to be a little bit safer about this yeah um and then last season it was actually my very last flight of last season which is kind of a bummer but um we were at a satellite airport in northern New Jersey and we were actually doing um some seeds so we seed cover crop for the winter as well. And so nothing, you know, nothing crazy in the airplane. And I took off and I got to about, I don't know, maybe 150 feet. And it takes you a little while to get that high because the airplane's so heavy that you're not climbing out like a normal plane. And all of a sudden, um, my engine quit. Oh. And I'm telling you this in slow motion because it really happened in a span of about like three seconds. But my engine quit and I went oh, no. And, you know, that's something that we prepare for. And, you know, the entire time I fly, I'm thinking, where am I going to land? Uh, but that's kind of the worst spot for that to happen is like yeah. right after takeoff. And then a couple seconds later, it kind of like surges back to life. And I'm I'm flying a radio. And all of a sudden, it like backfires. And mm-hmm. a like flame shoots out the exhaust. And I was like, oh, no, oh, no. <laughs> and then before I had time to process that it did it again and it quit Mm. and it came back and it uh, backfired. And I was like, I don't know. So it did that about probably after the second time I went, something's wrong and I dumped the seed that I had. Um, That's the biggest thing in an emergency is making sure that, you know, no matter what happens, you need to make the airplane maneuverable again. So Mm. I emptied out what I could with seed and fertilizer um, it's different than like a spray, so it doesn't come out super fast, but yeah. I at least started the process of it yeah. to come out and I turned back to the airport and I remember thinking like this isn't a great idea, but my options in front of me were a set of high tension power lines mm. and a development, which mm-hmm. either would have been fine. There was plenty of field area to land. It's just that my engine was still running. And I knew that, you know, I, I, something was off, but it was still running. Yeah. So someone told me a long time ago, if you're flying a radial and it's still running, don't touch it. Don't touch the power. So I didn't, mm. I just turned back to the airport and it kind of did that like quit and backfire thing. And once I had the runway made, I just slowly pulled my power back and it stopped immediately. As soon as I touched the power. Um, and I landed, and it wasn't really, like, a close call, but for me, like, the constant, you know, engine quitting noise with, like, the whole exhaust flame yeah. was a yeah. little bit scary, so. Yeah. Yeah. Unnerving, yeah, for sure. Oh, so that that was um, probably the scariest, you know, thing I've had yeah. as far as, like, super scary, but, you know, we've had close calls with weather or, like, clouds moving in or fog moving in. Um, but generally, you know, after that one time I thought I might've hit something, I have been super careful and I hope to stay that way and stay super careful. Yeah. And so you don't fly
1: like IFR or anything, do you? Um, so not for
2: ag aviation. We don't. Uh, Yeah. That would be pretty scary. (laughs) That would be. Yeah. (laughs) A lot of the stuff we do though, like we are waiting on fog in the morning and we, we do push weather conditions. Um, we need one mile and clear of clouds. So, you know, if there is fog over an area, you know, it's important to know the area that you're in. But we will go push weather. And a lot of times you're trying to hustle back to the airport because something's rolling in or there's right. a
1: storm coming or something right. like that. Yeah. So one of the cool things I like about some of the, the, your stories and stuff like that that you put on Instagram are, it it appears that there's this very um, close-knit kind of family, camaraderie
2: atmosphere. Is that true? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, we call ourselves a family. And, you know, some people that we've started the season with are complete strangers. And then, you know, a couple weeks in, you're best pals and you're, you know, you know everything about each other by the end of the year. And, um i think that's really cool it's you know we are a family business so like i work with my husband every day which Mm -hmm. has its ups and downs but
1: yeah yeah
2: all of us together are really a family and i think that's really cool even when we meet up with other pilots like when last year when we were out in the midwest you know you meet up with a different group of pilots every night and it's like you're all best friends instantly and yeah. it's
0: just a really cool that's the great thing group. about anything aviation i feel like so oh it's my just, gosh yeah yeah,
1: yeah it's just smaller group i mean even just aviation is a small group but then when you get into like a niche like agricultural flying that's even smaller tight-knit groups so you all oh, yeah. kind of know what you're going through like instantly
0: absolutely yeah. it, so it one cool. of one of my questions oh. for you know kind of leading from that would be like, what are the workup to get to be flying? I know there's a lot of ground crew and loaders and like these things, say I'm a pilot, I have all the qualifications to, you know, be able to fly um, agricultural stuff, but have no experience, like where would I start?
2: So the first thing I would say is um, find an operator if you you want to do it, is people that, you know, are already qualified commercial, maybe have some tailwheel, that kind of thing. Even if you don't have the tailwheel, find an operator and tell them your goals. Say, hi, you know, I'm Alyssa and I want to be a pilot for you or for a company. (laughs) And most operators will start you on the ground and we do as well. I started on the ground as well. And it's a really good way for us to sense how someone's work ethic is their decision-making, and -hmm. how they're going to perform in the airplane. It also, you know, teaches you about the spray and the mixing. And, you know, you can learn a lot about how to spray and not spray a field by watching other people. Mm -hmm. So it's it's kind of a combination of factors. um, And we like to see that people, you know, really want this and they really want to work hard. And those are the people that usually stick it out and we give them their first ag pilot seat. Yeah. Wow. So that, that process could take anywhere from one season of loading to two, um, any more than that, I would, you know, start the conversation again. And Mm -hmm. in my case, I was really pushy and I was like, Hey, (laughs) can I spray (laughs) that? And they were like, no, Emily, you can't. And I was like, why not? (laughs) I don't know how to do it. And I'm like, well, yeah, but I got to learn. So why don't I go learn on this field? And it was just me kind of being relentless and, you know, showing up to work at 4:30 every day, being the first person there and the last one to leave. That, you know, even in a family business, they were like, "Okay, she really wants to do this." So, yeah, um, that's what I would recommend for someone getting into it. There are ag schools out there, um, mm. and I've made a few videos about these. I'm not for or against. I think that they have their purposes. And I think that some people would learn really well there and some people would um, not benefit from them. But the thing that we like to reiterate to people is, you know, no matter what you do, you need to load on the ground for however long it is, maybe two seasons, maybe one. So what I like to tell people is start loading maybe before you get your licenses. And then
0: in the off season, you can really work on those ratings And that will really speed up your process.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. I think everybody thinks there's this like equation to getting to where they want to be in aviation. And I think, you know, we all have different stories, backgrounds, how we all get to one place and they all work, but I think it's definitely like I would work better in like loading and seeing it happen and watching the operation and knowing exactly what it takes to do that job where, you know, you put me in a school and tell me I need to meet X, Y, Z. I probably won't succeed in that. So I think, you know, right. it's just one of those. You have to be open to see what works for you and willing to put in the work. So, yeah. yeah. I, and that's huge. Willing to put in the work. That's huge. I watched yeah. this summer and I'm like, I don't know how she does it. Like she's awake at four and she's up late and you're like responding on Instagram and you're like doing all these things. And I was just like. Oh, like I'm, I'm a busy person and my mind is everywhere, but like (laughs) craziness.
2: Yeah. Most of when I respond is when I'm getting loaded or fueled or something, I have a couple minutes to kind of check my phone and check my messages. But if you notice in the fall, I kind of just fall off the grid because I'm just so (laughs)
0: tired like trying to catch up on sleep. Impressed. Yeah. yeah do you guys do anything at the end of season like to celebrate like the end of season or like how do you guys like I'm sure it's bittersweet because you're like glad it's done but also like excited and um also people are leaving because most people don't realize that you know agricultural pilots and load like they go where the work is and so it's it's not usually just one set place
2: right we're we're a little bit different here where um, most of us are full time throughout the year, but we don't see each other as much. And for me, like the last day of every spring season, I'm in tears because I'm like, Uh-oh. what am I going to do in the winter? Like, I don't have like, I what am I going to do? And I'm so sad. But um, one thing we do in our company, which is actually really fun and it's not really a company thing. We all just kind of get together afterwards and do it. Um, yeah. We, it's called Traco surfing. Oh. Um, so basically, we have an excavator, like a big excavator, like big yeah. holes. And we um, put a rope on it. And we get surfboards. And yeah. you kind of have to swing on the rope to the surfboard. And then someone swings you around on the excavator and you kind of surf. Oh, way. my goodness. Wow. I feel like this is dangerous. <laughs> Yeah, I it's, I wouldn't try it at home. I really wouldn't.
0: ever. <laughs>
2: <laughs> wow.
0: But yeah, we do
2: that, and we try to, um another thing that we do too, and we try to do this. You know, we do it at the end of the season, and we do it after um cranberry harvest. Is we all love sushi, and we all go for like a big all
0: you can eat sushi kind of thing. So yeah, oh, that cool sounds too. good.
2: I can get into that.
0: <laughs> yeah we Natalie and I are going to start for the end of season and we will be like uh, the hostess with the mostess or something. Like, yeah.
2: I love great. it. Come on out. We eat so much. So it'll be great.
0: Um, so we have the helicopter op- op- operation. I guess you guys don't have a lot, but I see like people like, I didn't realize they're with helicopters, they're set up like just in the country on a farm out there. But they have, like, all these campers and things. And it's, like, did you experience that when you guys went to the Midwest? Or, like, because I know you guys came out here. Did you stay in a hotel? How did that work, like, when you were traveling?
2: Um, so, actually, in New Jersey, we were in between um, homes the first year I was spraying. So, we mm-hmm. actually lived in a camper trailer on the runway that we spray out of. Um, well, and well, that's good Midwest, everyone does that I as mean. well,
0: too. Yeah. You're you're talking my language. Do you are you guys hiring for
2: <laughs>
0: Yeah, come on out. It'll be great. All load all day.
2: That it would be so nice to have another girl around here. It really would.
0: Oh. That was
2: my next question. I mean, how many ag pilots are
1: actually women?
2: So um, I guess it depends on country. So I've been like trying to find everyone that I can. Um in the United States, I've found a I think it's about six that are oh, wow. currently flying. Wow. Um, and there are a couple more that kind of got there. They went to an ag school and they're kind of looking for their first seat this year. Yeah. So um, there's a couple more. So hopefully um, we'll be in double digits soon. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know there's like three or four in Canada. And then I think another three or four in South America as well. Wow. I feel like it'd be really
1: competitive that to get into that. Like you really do need to know somebody. Is that kind of
2: correct or. It it isn't, isn't. It helps a lot if you know somebody. Uh, But we have hired people that just like sent us an email. Wow. We were like, Hey, like, come on out. And when we met them, we were like, this is great. Um, You know, one of our pilots, Dan, he went to ATP school. And he was like, I'm looking for a job. I think I want to be an ag pilot. And he loaded for us for two years. And he flies for us now. And he's great. And he, no one in his family knows anything about aviation. Mm. And none of them know anything about ag. So it really is just, you kind of just got to knock down some doors. Yeah. Yeah. And show
1: that you're really, really, really interested and really pursue it. Yeah. Do you have I'm some other
2: flying them. that you would like to do? Some other kind of flying. Um, yeah. So two things on my my bucket list. Um, I'm currently a CFII, and I do some instructing in the winter, um, and I you know I help get our pilots trained around here. I would really, really like to do my seaplane rating. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. My husband and I never took a honeymoon, and we're kind of like, let's just save up and get our seaplane ratings. Like that would be yeah. so much fun to go do that. And then um, I'd also, you know, I started thinking about this last year. I'd really like to get my multi-engine instructor.
1: Oh, um, okay.
2: I think that would be really fun and beneficial and kind of just, it would allow me to give back more than I can. Yeah. yeah. Do you like to instruct? I do. I love instructing. Um, you know, it, I reached a point where I did it full time, and I was like, I never want to instruct again. Mm-hmm. And then I found myself missing it. So mm-hmm. right now, I just have a few students, and I kind of, kind of pick and choose my students based on like who fits well together, and you know, people that don't mind not really flying a
0: ton in the summer, which is hard to find. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. It's, I, it's definitely like when it's a means to an end and you have to do you have to be flying as an instructor to get your 1500 hours for airline or something people get really burnt out and that's kind of what's put me off about like going through to get my instructor I'm working on my commercial and things but it's one of those like I don't want to instruct to just get hours like I want to give back and I want to really like help those that need the extra help. But then Mm -hmm. I also think about like, I don't want to die. So I don't want to instruct maybe like super beginner (laughs) primary. I'm like, "Uh, maybe not, but I I love like talking through, like I took somebody flying the other day in the pattern and I love talking through like what I'm doing and, And so I think, like, I would like instructing, but I don't want it to be a job, per se. I want it to be something I enjoy doing, so.
2: Right. No, that makes sense. I I feel the same way, and that's, I never did it for hours or anything, but, you know, so many private pilots can really kind of start to weigh down on you, so I'm just branching out into, like, tailwheel instruction and the commercial and instrument stuff, and I really enjoy that kind of instructing.
1: Yeah, I think it'd be cool to have, like, a variety of different kind of students, you know, like, you've got a private pilot student, you've got a tailwheel student, you've got kind that's, of a make-
0: mix. That's a lot of work, too, if you think about it, like, you're doing lessons for 20 different types of flying or, you know, right. goals, so that's, like, if you take on five five students and they're all doing private, I think, like, oh, this is great, but, like, if you take on five students and it's private, tailwheel, aerobatics, like, You know, it's, I think you'd just be, like, always planning the next, True. you know, like teaching five subjects instead of teaching one, so. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get that. Yeah. Yeah, and there's
1: certain subjects um, that I prefer, and maybe you can tell me if this is accurate for you as well, and others that I'm kind of like, yeah, I really
2: don't want to touch on that one. I don't like that one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you just got your CFI, right, Natalie? Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: That is awesome. Congratulations.
1: Well, thank you. There I mean there's um, definitely some subjects I feel more confident
2: teaching and more knowledge about. And there's others that I'm like, oh, feeling, yeah. I don't know about that one. Like <laughs> for me, you know, the initial class on systems, like explaining how the instrument works with like the little, you know, the the little wafer thing and the Oh you yeah, know, the just, enteroid, whatever I, it is. I, yeah. yeah. I default that And my husband's not an instructor, but I will bring him over. And I'm like, can you teach my student about these instruments? And he he does such a good job. Yes.
0: I think men men know the mechanics of things or like what I came to find out. Like Natalie was getting her condition inspection the other day. And I think I asked a question or she asked a question about what they were doing and he gave us, like, the long answer. And I was like, no, I need the short answer and just, like, to the point what you're doing. Like, yeah. right. I need to know that the, this goes to this number and this is the, you know, like, no, I just need to know, like, an overall, you know, like. There's, like, a right. whole
1: other language. And all it,
0: it is. I'm like, yeah. oh, gosh. Like, uh, I
1: know this stuff I think about it. <laughs> It is interesting, though. And I I do want to learn more about those areas that I'm weak in. You know, I don't like not feeling confident in certain areas.
2: I have tried um, so many times to teach, like, you know, about these instruments. And that's my big thing. I watch YouTube videos and I can explain it for like a day. And then every time I have to go teach someone. I have to go relearn it again uh, yeah. It this doesn't stick in my brain, and I don't know what it is. I know.
1: It's so frustrating.
2: like, <laughs> Please don't ask me any more And those would seem to be the ones that,
1: I don't know, it's like they know that you're weak in that area, so they ask you a lot more questions about it, and I'm just like, can you just go to YouTube?
2: <laughs> my, my go-to trick, I'm like, you know what? I got my instructor rating. Why don't you... Go look it up tonight and teach me about it tomorrow. Oh, I love and that, that. And it gives me a night to go, like, okay, let me go read about this so I can. You guys check. are telling
0: online right now. Like, you guys are telling all of your secrets. <laughs> <laughs> Not all That's of them, just a couple. Just a few. Yeah,
1: yeah, good. So, are you uh, right now, the crops that you're spraying are what?
2: Um, so, I spray. Cranberries and blueberries, yeah. corn, soybeans, and um, a handful of like pumpkins or tomatoes or things like that. Okay, these are yeah. big farms. Some of them are, and some of them aren't. Um, huh. In New Jersey, our average field size is maybe ten to fifteen acres. Oh, so that's, that's pretty not small. That big. I was
1: thinking like <laughs>
0: oh, way bigger. That's pretty sp- right. Um, i live oh in goodness. illinois i live in like land of crops and
2: i'm like oh my gosh they were like we're gonna give you a small field and it was like 200 acres yeah like, oh, this, is this is amazing i'll take these all day don't worry um yeah but no like we do a lot of really small fields um you know new jersey is very densely populated so a lot of our farms, you know, cranberries and blueberries are high yield crops. So you don't need a ton of acreage, but they make a ton of fruit.
1: Yeah. So,
2: um, you know, I've done, you know, like a half an acre to an acre blueberry field before, Mm. Um, and you know, also go out and do like a 200 acre cornfield. So it really just depends. Interesting. Huh. So,
1: um, that made me think of another question. You were just saying, Okay, Alyssa was talking about this bar thing, and we talked a little bit about how do you know where you've already sprayed? Maybe to someone that hasn't actually seen some of your stuff, how do you explain, how do you know that you haven't already sprayed that area?
2: Okay, so um, there's two main components, and one is on the front of the airplane. Um, If you see in the videos, there's like a little box on the nose that's kind of like blinking. Yeah. Um, that's our light bar and then inside that's connected to a little gps and it's Absolutely. not like a garmin gps it's um like a crop like field gps and it's like tells tractors
1: you. use it like big exactly
2: tractors. yeah uh-huh. exactly it's, it's not exactly light. what they use um yeah. and so you know you can do it a couple ways you can you can set um, a polygon in that gps before you go spray if mm-hmm. you have time um or if you just get handed a map you can just hit like new a b line which is like your start to finish line yeah and then there's a bunch of different spray patterns you can pick from you can go like Mm. back and forth you could that's the easiest one but there's like five or six different ones you can pick and so you set that initial line generally on the longest straightest part of the field yeah because it's heavy you want to get that spray out as fast as you can so you set that line, and as soon as you turn your spray off, it that GPS moves your line over. Okay. So it says, so, but it, it knows how wide your swath is based on, you know, we do testing, and we know, like, okay, for this, I, I'm going to spread my spray 60 feet wide or 70 yeah. feet wide. Yeah. So it'll move your line over, depending on if you want offset or things. It'll move it over for you. Then you turn around. And you're using the light bar on the front of the airplane and it's basically like an ILS or like a localizer where you're kind of following that needle into the center. It's just really sensitive. It goes down to like a few inches. Wow. So it's just really, really sensitive.
1: Yeah.
2: And then you, um, you know, you come back around, you get set up, you turn your spray on and in the field, if you're not quite, you know, if you kind of turned a little bit, you can kind of use your rudder to kind of go back and forth to stay straight on your line. And mm-hmm. then you pull out of the field and you do it all over again. That sounds
0: That's so cool. cool. So it's when really you're fun. Flying, <laughs> thinking about like, okay, you, you're doing all your normal things flying and then you're turning spray on and off, keeping in line, doing all of that. So is there like a, a button, a lever that you turn on and off spray? Yes.
2: Um, so... Mm-hmm. Most people call this the spray handle and most pilots call it the money handle because you're only making money as a pilot when that handle is on and you're spraying. Yeah. Um, we have our setup with switches, which is a little bit different. Um, every operator and every mechanic will set these up differently, but the way ours are currently set up is the spray handle is always open. And then I just have a little switch next to my throttle and when I'm ready to turn the spray on, I hit the switch and it turns on. Um, it's just kind of like an instant on off. It's got its advantages and its drawbacks, but
0: um, that's the way that we currently set it up, so it's a switch. Okay. So do you have to change your airspeed? Because I'm, I'm thinking about like shutting that off, shutting it on, you, you are then pulling up. Um, you obviously gain airspeed, or, or you stay in that airspeed. So are you adjusting your airspeed a lot? Like, or are you pretty much keeping it set, coming back around and doing the next?
2: So in your, in your turnarounds, you are changing airspeed quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And each pass you do, um, the center of gravity changes because you now have less sure. weight. And right. more yeah. So it will change every pass. So in the beginning, you know, you might start to get like a little bit of a stall at, say 80 miles an hour and then you know at the end you can you know bank it up to like 65 or something like that yeah um you want to keep your airspeed constant across the field so Mm -hmm. you know in the turnarounds it doesn't matter as long as you don't stall that is super important Mm -hmm. keep it coordinated keep the speed up but across the field you really want to have a constant airspeed because that's going to affect the rate that your chemical comes out right right Um, yeah so many numbers there's so many things I know
0: there's a lot of math and nobody told me there's going to be this much (laughs) I think the first time like I thought it was really intriguing like I'm intrigued with how combines work because I'm like wait you mean that it like picks that up and like filters it through and then it tells you like your yield and it tells you all of those things so same thing with flying but like a combine like can pretty much like turn and do its own thing and line up and everything. But an airplane, like you're constantly changing your airspeeds and you have to be in control of that and spray and keep all of these things. Like that's a lot. It, it's a lot. And, um,
2: they make it a little bit easier. You know, when I, my first plane that I started and didn't have what's called flow control. So your airspeed was super, super important, but now, um, You know, attached to our spray system, most people have flow control, which you know, when you turn your spray on, you've set that in your GPS. But you know, I want three gallons Mm. per acre, two gallons per acre, and even if you change speed, it's going to compensate for that and put out the correct amount, which is super great. Wow!
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Are you going pretty
2: slow when you're actually spraying? It not? depends on the airplane. Um hmm. so our slowest airplane goes about ninety miles an hour across the field, which okay. is pretty slow. Um and then, you know, our air tractors go maybe one forty miles okay. an hour across the field. Yeah. Which so you're only that really difference getting, is pretty big.
1: You said something kind of interesting. You only get paid for what when you're spraying.
2: Right. So um oh, per acre, right? We get paid, yeah, we get paid per acre. That's you know, some we start a lot of our first-year pilots out on salary, just so that they're not pushed to do too many acres and they're yeah. not afraid to
0: say right. no to certain
2: things. Yeah. Um, but once you have that experience level, you get paid per acre sprayed. So just yeah. because you know you got, you know, 10 hours of flight time today, you maybe only sprayed I don't know, you know, a thousand acres or 500 acres or whatever yeah. it is. So yeah. Um, it's generally per acre and it's generally a percentage of the price. So mm. I've seen anywhere between the pilot gets maybe ten percent of the price or twenty percent of the price. And it's some people do somewhere in that spread, some people do the high end or the low end. And so like if it was, you know, if it cost nine dollars an acre, you know, that was the price. Yeah. You would get paid like, you know, twenty percent of that, which is like a dollar Wow. Wow.
0: Oh my goodness. What do, what do pilots do in the off season? If, you know, I guess you're a CFI, but what, what do you, what would you say like on average agricultural pilots do on their off season? Um,
2: I've seen a lot of people that will, you know, they, they can go find off season work. Um, Some people go to Australia or other countries and do some work over Mm -hmm. there. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of CFIs, there's some corporate people, um, Mm -hmm. there are a lot of truck drivers, um, and just, Mm -hmm. you know, you'll find a big spectrum across the board, but it depends too, because like our off-season, you know, is a little bit longer because we're in the Northeast, but you know, Mm -hmm. some of the Southern states, like they're flying rice down in Mississippi and Louisiana right now, so their off-season isn't super long, it might only be a couple months. So they might just take those two months off and kind of relax and recharge. Yeah. Huh. So c-
1: can you like get rich being an agricultural pilot? Um
2: yeah, I think so. I'm not there yeah. yet. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't figured it quite I w- out. I would like to think. I've heard that you can. Yeah. Um I think I'm just not at that point. I'm still a little bit slow and take my time um it's definitely like comparable you know like your first year you may not make a ton but i've it's not unheard of for egg pots to make like over 150 or over okay. two hundred thousand dollars a year yeah if they're wow. really busy huh, interesting um, i'm not there yet
1: <laughs> <laughs> so we know who's gonna buy dinner next time in new jersey <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> she it's her I love it. Awesome. I was very curious.
1: I don't know anything about, you know, being a pilot in agriculture and what, is this a well-paying job? Is it something like how many hours are there like minimum requirements that people are looking for when you're, you get hired? They want you to have a certain amount.
2: Yeah. Insurance companies, they generally like to see around 200 hours of tailwheel, but that's not required. You know, it's just, You might have a higher insurance premium for that person if they have less, Um, but there's no like 1500 hour or anything Mm -hmm. like that. Um, you know, I, I mentioned, um, our pilot, Dan, he came to us with 250 hours and we got him a little bit more over the next few years. But other than that, um, he was a brand new pilot and he started flying ag, which was pretty cool. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting.
0: You're making me think about this. <laughs> like, yellow would look so good on you, Alyssa. Would. I, I, I would pay to get that thing painted pink for us.
2: <laughs> so I thought about it. I really did. And
0: um,
2: I decided against the pink plane because they're going to know it's me right now. <laughs> like, I can wear yeah. whatever I want. I can wear, I have a pink helmet that I'll have this year. I'm still working on the pink flight suit, um, but they can't tell who it
0: is inside. But, like, if you have this big pink airplane,
2: they know.
0: Yeah. That's that's made me think because um, I've heard a couple, like, instances where, like, you know, females walk out of the plane and they're like, wait, what? She was flying like that. And actually, Lacey Waldron, I don't know if you guys are Mm -hmm. friends with her she was in florida and a guy wouldn't let her on the ramp in key west because he's like oh ma'am you have to be with a pilot oh my gosh oh yeah she's like i am the pilot like but she cutesy dress and you know but it's just like i would pee my pants if like you showed up in an air tractor i'd be like shut the front door Female just got <laughs> out of the air traffic like, <laughs> I would bow to you because, I mean, I just think it's so awesome that it's just such a niche thing. And to have, you know, I think one of your posts had said, like, you know, even to be in the United States, to be 1% of the agricultural pilots, you would have to have, like, 35 women. And you know yeah. six. So. Yeah. Wow. Not even 1%. You're, like, point. Oh four percent or something. you know like. two percent. Yeah. So I mean, to know you to know like how passionate you are on aviation, like it's just mm-hmm. awesome. Like I would just I think it is
1: too. I, I've, yeah. I've been following you for a while and I think it's really cool what, what you're doing and um, you're you're showing other women other things that they can think about doing and how women can be successful in all these other ways, you know, and I, I think that's
0: great.
2: Yeah, I just, you know, my goal is just to kind of get the word out there, you know, to the public about egg aviation, because most people Mm -hmm. just think we're like, dirty, nasty people. And I'm like, hey, no, we're not like, (laughs) we're we're real people. And then, you know, just encouraging women to get into aviation in general. It's, you know, if I can inspire one person to just, you know, get their pilot's license, I mission accomplished. I think that's awesome. Yeah, I agree. Um.
1: Well, thank you so much, Emily. Yeah. I think you're uh, adorable, and I love everything that you're doing. And I think it's just
2: really badass. <laughs> bad-ass. <laughs> thank you guys for having me. No, I I love following your oh. pages, and I
0: it's so cool to connect with other fellow female pilots. I agree. Time out. I had one question. I just realized because halfway through this video, I stripped off the flight suit because I was hot in the house. Oh, but, um. What do you wear under the flight suit in the summer? It's super hot. Like, what do you wear? Um I have a t-shirt
2: and um that's about it. <laughs>
0: that's I, I think totally just rock a sports bra and, you know, it's so hot, you know, but safety comes first. So, I think the that you're, you know, advocating for that in Yeah,
2: I know. I I do wear um, a t-shirt just because when I am walking around, I'll take the top off and I will tie it around the waist. So, like, I don't want to, you know, I mean, I'm already distracting enough, I think, but (laughs) I don't want to be, you know, walking around the airport with no shirt. I mean, (laughs) whatever. Wow. Yeah.
1: Well. Keep doing what you're doing, and uh, love seeing what you're doing on Instagram. It's Ag Pilot Chick. Right? guys. Uh-huh. And I'm not big on TikTok, but apparently you are. So it's the same, oh on, my TikTok. God. same on TikTok.
0: You need to join the cool kids.
2: I I am uh I'm behind the
0: learning curve, but I'm trying on TikTok. I'm learning. We're learning all together. <laughs> Yeah, Great. yeah.
1: Well, Alyssa tried to show me some things um, this past week, and it this just it's it's a lot. It seems a lot more complicated than Instagram. It is. It's not easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hmm.
2: Well, I'd love to get together with you sometime personally. Do
1: you ever go to like air shows and things like that, or no? You're just so busy with everything else.
2: I I do. Um, mostly we get to fun and fun is our big one. But, um, you know, Oshkosh, we never get a chance because we're working.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Will you be going to something this year?
2: As long as they have it, um, I'm hoping to get out there. So far, so good. I'll be there. Yeah, Yeah, me too. We need to get together. Yeah, sounds great.
1: Yeah. All
2: Uh, right. Well, thank you
1: so much, Emily.
2: Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. I really had a pleasure talking with
1: you. It was fun and very informative, I felt like. I learned a lot anyway.
2: Oh, good. I'm glad. Yeah.
1: So <laughs> thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Cockpits and Cocktails with myself, Fly Girl Kelly, and... Fly Alyssa And...
2: Emily, egg Pilot Chick. <laughs>
1: Please make sure you are subscribed to our podcast and follow us on Instagram so you don't miss anything, any of our guests, and you know what's going to be coming up or our past episodes. And, you know, we appreciate everyone in aviation. Our goal is to get more people interested in aviation, not just females, but we do like to tell female stories, and we think that it is a great community to be involved in.
0: Cheers! Cheers. Thank like- you.